Hello, this is Jeff, Jedi Jeff on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. And this is Rick Moyer777 from the forums. And we are here today to talk about Galactica 1980. What a cool and fun series from way back when. Exactly. Actually, Rick, it was almost 31 years to the day that it premiered. January 27th it did in 1980. Oh my gosh, that means we're really old, Jeff. Yeah, we are old. <laughs> I remember waiting for this to come out because I loved, absolutely loved Battlestar Galactica. And when they said they were going to have another series with our beloved characters, I was pumped as a kid. I was too. Well, what came out wasn't exactly what everybody expected. And we're going to talk all about that on this episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. The great ship Galactica. Our home for these many years we've endured the wilderness of space. And now, we near the end of our journey. We have at last found Earth. I remember, Jeff, sitting in front of my television set, and we had color by then, which was great, because for a long time we had black and white fuzzy television. But this was a color television. We were out in the country, and I was glued to our TV set because... Well, let's see. 1980, I was a freshman in high school, starting high school, and I'll never forget being so excited about Galactic in 1980. When they promoted on the TV, what we saw were pictures of Cylons destroying like San Francisco and different places like that. I don't remember exactly what city it was, but I think I just turned on the TV one night and oh. saw the uh, the premiere episode. Oh my goodness! And- How you were lucky. Yeah, it was just like I kind of had like that, that, you know, in the first episode that that little boy, you know, which saw the vipers. I was kind of my expression yeah. too. like say I was wow. wasn't much older than him. I, I think I was uh, 1980. I would have been like 12, I think. So I had that kind of that wow, uh-huh. golly look on my face when I saw vipers on on planet Earth. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait until this happens. And and was so excited when it uh, turned on, and there it was, the the characters, and especially when the very first shot comes in, and it's Adama, Commander Adama, with a beard. Yeah, that was, it's just like, wow, Adama, and he's got a beard. <laughs> he's and he still looks, alive. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Which is kind of crazy. I'm not sure what I was thinking, because this is only, what, uh, one or two years after the original I know, series. I know, but they, of course, they said it, well, I think, like 30 years in the future, but uh, very, very interesting uh, way to uh, come across on on, a, on the series and, and bring back some of the characters. But let's talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. We have a, a lot to cover since we're going to cover the entire um, series, uh, 10 episodes, and then, of course, uh, we've got lots of things to talk about. Uh, what do we have in the queue, Jeff? What are, we, what are we going to talk about today? Well, we've got quite a bit uh, in our queue. We're going to start off with kind of a synopsis of the program, and then we're going to um, talk a bit about the initial reactions and controversies of the show. And boy, there were a lot of them. There were a lot. Yes. And then we're going going to uh, talk about uh, some of the characters on the show, kind of the, the ships and the vehicles, maybe some of the technology sure. kind of which was introduced in the show. Yeah, because it was a lot different than the, the actual Galactica or the regular Battlestar Galactica series. Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of things that they introduced into this series that we never really 
saw in the original Battlestar Galactica series. Mm -hmm. I think that might have what led to a bit of the controversies was it yes. was a bit different than what everyone was uh, accustomed to. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and then I guess we're going to kind of roll into, I guess, uh, some of the episodes, I guess, talking about the episodes, got some uh, clips to play on those. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, kind of some behind-the-scenes stuff because there's a lot of, um, both uh, Rick and I did some uh, research on this, and there's a lot of kind of interesting information and details and kind of behind-the-scenes stuff about this show, which uh, makes it all all the more kind of um, kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, maybe people that didn't give Galactica 1980 a chance might go back now and watch it just to see some of those those beginnings and inklings of what happened in the reimagined Battlestar Galactica. The planet Earth is the third outermost planet of nine planets orbiting the single sun. There you go, a little YouTube clip that I found where they put Galactica 1980 in three minutes. Wow, they pretty well summarized it all up. They, they did. They don't need us now, Rick. I guess so. <laughs> That's so funny. They didn't do a lot of talking clips in it, but if you watch the video, it's hilarious. But I thought it was fun just to hear some disco music done with the Galactica theme song. That's always cool. Yeah, that's always cool. They always had all those kind of cool uh, disco songs from back in that day. Because remember, they had like the Star Wars kind of yeah. disco, and yeah. I think they had some Star Trek type disco as well. So. I always like that. We're talking about Galactica 1980. Thanks again to to Rico Dosti, the the founder and the maker of Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, which we are guest hosting today. Uh, Rico is at home with his family this weekend. And uh, the fact is that he uh, works a long ways away from home, and so he comes home once a month to be able to visit his family or as much as he can. And uh, during those weekends, he gets a guest host usually. And Jeff, you and I had the idea a long time ago to do this podcast because so many people gave Galactica 1980 a bad rap. Yeah, exactly. Everyone gives Galactica 80 a bad rap. And we kind of wanted to kind of bring it to everyone's attention, maybe talk about some of the things, you know, you know, get past some of the campy stuff and the cheesy stuff and, and maybe talk about some of the interesting elements in this show. Okay, a brief synopsis of uh, Galactica 80. I guess um, the obvious thing is that it took place in 1980. <laughs> uh, after, after 30 years out in space, uh, Galactica and its fleet discovered Earth. And um, a generation had passed, so we've got a all-new cast except for uh, a couple key characters in uh, Commander Adama, and then um, Boomer took over as uh, second-in-command. Um, but, but the rest of the cast is all new, but um, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the costumes and sets are, are similar to the original Battlestar Galactica. So anyways, they found Earth, but... The problem is, is when they found Earth, um, they realized that Earth wasn't technologically advanced yet um, to really accept Galactica and also um, 
as well uh, to defend itself against the, the Cylon fleet, which was uh, following Galactica. So they inadvertently led the uh, Cylons to Earth, which uh, they really didn't want to do, but they, they discovered they had, and they couldn't just go and colonize Earth because uh, Earth wasn't quite there yet. So what was uh, determined was that they would send um, they would send uh, colonial warriors down to uh, interface with uh, key members of the scientific community to kind of help advance Earth to a point where it was able to uh, defend itself to against the Cylon threat and also you know accept uh, Galactica and its people into its uh, into into Earth's communities. Um, so a lot of the episodes kind of followed um, kind of the, the two kind of leads, uh, Captain Troy and Lieutenant Dylan, on their kind of adventures on Earth. That was kind of um, the series. The series ran for 10 episodes, uh, unfortunately, then was uh, canceled, uh, you know, due to uh, some low ratings. And I guess uh, what many felt was uh, subpar episodes, which could have been a lot better. But uh, yeah, for the most part, the, the series was... Uh, you know, Galactica trying to adapt itself into Earth and our customs. Very cool. Yeah, it, and I remember the the concept of the of the whole show was really exciting for us Battlestar Galactica fans because um, they didn't continue on with the original series when many of us really wanted more episodes, and we thought it would be awesome if they finally found Earth. You know, they had the one episode in the in the original series. Where they found Terra, I think was it Terra? Did they call it or something? Yeah, like that? it was Terra, and that was just pretty exciting. But then we found out it wasn't Earth, so we, you know, you, we, there was always this longing for the fans for Battlestar Galactica to finally the Galactica to finally get to Earth, and so that's kind of what made a lot of us fans come back and watch Galactica in 1980 because that's what they teased us with. And um, so there was a lot of initial reactions and and controversies surrounding this this uh, series because of the way that they did the advertising. Yeah, I think like you're saying, Rick, uh, you were kind of led to believe that you were going to have the kind of the original crew, mm -hmm. and it was kind of, uh, I could say, a completion of their mission, which it was, but not the way that we would have envisioned it. Right. Well, and I think, I, I think a lot of the... Um, a lot of folks were were seeing these little teasers of the Cylons in the skies of Earth shooting at the people, and uh, you know things crashing down and a, a bunch of stuff happening, and and we all went, oh my gosh, they got the Cylons came to Earth, and what's going to happen now, and how is this all going to play out? It, it took the genre of like like disaster movies and space saga and put it together and it was just so exciting and then i think i remember watching the first episode and being a little bit disappointed in what i saw not as a kid now you gotta remember i i enjoyed it but i also was disappointed because that was revealed very quickly and, and we like to i mean come on we're gonna do spoilers in this episode or in this episode of treks and sci-fi because the the show is 31 years old so just live with it everybody spoiler alert spoiler alert the fact is, we watched the first episode and we found that that whole scene that we were teased with was actually a scenario played out by the master young man, teenage guy named Dr. Z. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, it was just like you saw that, that scene. It just 
it was such a great scene. It was. And like you say, oh, wow, the series is really set up for, you know, some great science fiction and action elements. Yeah. Um, like, say, like a lot of what you would think a lot of, you know, space battles or even just uh, ship-to-ship battles. Uh, yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, war between the Cylons and the, and the people of Earth. And it really wasn't that way because, like you say, that was just uh, kind of a, you know, a prediction by Doctor Z of what could happen if the Cylons discovered Earth in Earth's current state. I never could really wrap my head around it, but the the sensors in the Galactica environment, in the Battlestar Galactica environment, yeah, it never seemed very good. It never seemed yeah. to they could get very far. Yeah, you know, it it seems like the Cylons are like right on, on Earth's doorstep, and they they can't detect it, but yeah. they can detect. You know the the Galactica fleet. And right. It's, just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like something's wrong here. Yeah. What, well, what, what was your initial reaction as you? What were you? How how old were you? Eight or nine or so? I think twelve. Okay, think twelve years 12. old. Twelve years old, and you watch the series for the first time. What was your initial reaction when you were watching? I I remember I was just really excited to see. To Vipers. see the Vipers on yeah, Earth. Yeah. I remember that little scene where they uh, Troy and Dylan flew the, the Vipers to Earth. But then I was watching it, and I'm going, that's not Apollo and Starbuck. Yeah. For a little bit, I thought it was because I hadn't hadn't seen the, the show in a, in a little while because that was kind of before you had, like, uh-huh. home VHS or home DVDs or anything like that. So, the, you know, I hadn't seen the show. You know, I hadn't seen Battlestar Galactica in a few years. So, you know, my... My memory of Apollo and Starbuck was a, a, a little fuzzy. So at first I thought, uh, they seem a little different. But yeah. then, you know, like they start calling them Troy and Dylan. And it's just like, wow, that's not not Apollo and Starbuck. So uh, that was a bit of a disappointment for me because uh, I really liked Apollo and Starbuck. Well, they had done a they had, show. Yeah, they had done such a great job in the original series with Starbuck and Apollo being good friends and going on all these adventures together that we were hoping that that's what it was going to be like on earth you know they yeah. were going to be discovering all these things on earth and everything and when it wasn't was it dirk benedict and um what's the guy that richard hatch yeah richard hatch when it wasn't those guys it was a little bit disappointing because it was like oh but i have to say that that when i saw the 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 vipers come through the atmosphere and go head to head with the f 16s or whatever they were going with and then uh, use their turbos in the clouds that was pretty cool and then when they landed them in that field and everything it was like oh that this is pretty cool this is pretty cool oh yeah it was so cool that uh you know just to see the you know the the vipers kind of in earth our earth time is just always cool i always really enjoyed you know some of those science fiction episodes when they you know you know have you know kind of our heroes come to earth you yeah know, like we've seen that in you know, like Star quite Trek. a few star different Star Trek. Well, re- yeah, remember Star Trek when they had the uh, the Enterprise in the atmosphere and the and the F sixteen was going to blow it out of the sky and then they beamed the pilot onto the Enterprise. That was cool. That was just really yeah. cool. And then to see Kirk and Spock and everybody walking around on an army base, you know, or or when Gary Seven was on there and you got to see them down on Earth with you know with the uh, the rocket launch and all that jazz. Those were always, I think, those were the episodes that I loved so much because. It it kind of brought it to life that it was really could happen right now, and you know where while we were living we could see like the space stuff you know so that's why Galactica nineteen eighty was so fascinating to me because it brought the series that I love so much into my reality, and that's why yeah, I like exactly. that's why I liked it especially as a teenager it was like 
this is really cool. I just thought to think that there's a big uh, Galactica, the yeah. Battlestar Galactica is like orbiting Earth and it's got yeah. this big fleet of ships. Just to think that, wow, in, in our, my time frame, that uh, that's a possibility that, uh, you know, like say that there's some some really cool spaceships and starships out there, uh, yeah. you know, just, just, just up in the skies. Well, as we were being excited about watching it, a little bit disappointed in some of the things, and I know a lot of adults were like going, what in the world is this? Because the show's tone changed so much from the original show. There was a lot of different type of stuff going on in it, and it seemed a little bit juvenile. Now, to us as kids, it probably wasn't as bad, but to a lot of adults, there was a there was a big, um, well, there was a, a initial uh, ratings frenzy because everybody watched it, but then when they they saw what was being done with it, a lot of the ratings went down quickly. Yeah, I I think a, a lot of that came to be because of the uh, time slot for this show as well. I guess it was. Uh, it was penciled in on a, a Sunday evening at, at 7 p.m., which I guess is kind of a family-friendly type uh, time slot. So yeah. I think a lot of the elements that we saw were, were there to appeal to kids. Yeah. Like like some of the technology that they brought in, yeah. that whole idea. You know, we didn't see it in the first few episodes, but uh, in the later episodes, a whole weightless, weightless, weightlessness, I'll get that out there, <laughs> uh, of of the uh, Galacticans, you know, when they're in the uh, Earth's, Earth's gravity, you know, right. let's say they, they could jump high, they were stronger, they could throw farther, just right. kind of pushed the believability, you know, kind of uh, tipped it over a bit too much. Um, yeah, and I think that's when people, they, they started losing the, the people. They didn't want to really, it wasn't as entertaining. It wasn't believable, as you just put. Yeah, it wasn't believable. And that kind of, um, you know... That with maybe a bit as well too. The um, you know Galacticas arrived on Earth and you know kind of their their lack of knowledge of Earth or just lack of knowledge in general. They kind of came off as a bit uh, naive or I, I'm not going to say stupid, but uh, just kind of very naive on just kind of basic day to day type uh, scenarios on Earth. They 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 didn't seem to understand which. Again, I think it pushed the believability a bit past because it's just like, well, they've ran across those types of scenarios in the original Galactica and right. the original right. Battlestar Galactica. Now they're on Earth and they're, you know, they're having a tough time, you know, understanding that, you know, when people use money or, you know, or a te- or a telephone or yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, like I say, I think as well too. I think they were kind of in that seven p.m. slot, so. I think the the programs had to be educational. So I think That's right. some of the stories took the, you know, or the scenarios or situations that they were in were were to be kind of uh, educational purposes. Which, like I said, I think they just kind of went kind of over the board on that. Now I thought that was fascinating. In the research that you had sent me, I read that very thing about how um, because of the time slot that they were in, they the writers had to write within parameters that they wouldn't normally have written in. And so there was like, what, there was a limit on, I know this is getting behind the scenes, but it's it's okay because this is where the initial reactions and controversies came from, was because it, the way they approached the show was so different from the original, uh, people were having a rough time with it. But there was a reason behind it all. Because there yeah, was, exactly. there was, there was a, a certain amount of educational stuff. Now, I know when, back when I worked in radio, um, when the FCC here in the United States required us to do a, a a certain amount of children's programming and a certain amount of public programming, so we had to out of our percentages of what we aired 
wasn't just the popular music or the popular concerts and stuff. We also had to go out into the community and do like a public service program, or we had to do educational things for the children and stuff like that. And and a certain amount of our program, we had to do that. And now the FCC has lightened up a lot, and you don't see that as much nowadays, but there still are limitations on what somebody can do with programming on a Saturday morning. Uh, especially if you're on public airwaves. And this is what exactly what happened to Galactic in 1980. They were told by censors and told by the, by the network, here's what you have to work with, and this is what you have to include when you do this show. So that automatically put a damper on the creativity. I mean, I, I guess you can look at it in two different ways. You can either get really super creative and work through it, or you can balk at it and say, now, I guess we'll just have to put in whatever we have to put in to, to answer the quota. And I think in this case, some of the stuff that we read, and correct me if I'm wrong, some of the stuff we read was that they kind of just threw it in there because they had to, which I think made the show suffer. Yeah, I kind of like say when I read through that article, that was kind of the, uh, that was kind of the impression I got out of it as well, Rick, that, uh, you know, like I say, they could have got creative and, and, you know, done some good stories, but... Based on kind of the timelines and it sounded like, you know, maybe the culture, you know, kind of around the network at the time that they just kind of, they tossed it in there because they had to. And yeah. it seemed like um, they were told to do it and it seemed like early on uh, things got kind of adversarial and they just put it in there and kind of quality kind of went out the door just to yeah. kind of uh, meet meet kind of standards. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the cool new things that we found. Now, some of it was cool, some of it wasn't so cool, but there was all sorts of new technology that was introduced in Galactic in 1980, stuff that we had not seen in the original Battlestar Galactica. There were new ships, there were new vehicles, and there were, of course, new characters. So let's talk a little bit about some of the new technology that Galactic in 1980 introduced. I guess the first thing kind of off uh, the new technology that uh, Galactica 80 kind of introduced was this kind of cloaking field or invisibility, personal, yeah, personal cloak. They can either cloak ships or they can cloak themselves. Yeah. You know, so they like say that Troy and Dylan would travel down to Earth and to hide their ships or hide themselves, they would use this this cloaking field and that would get them out of a lot of situations. They used it just about every episode I think they used. Well, the, the cloaking one at uh, one time or another, and I have to say, as a as a as a kid, that was really cool to me. Uh, and uh, you know, that's one of the things I liked about Star Trek Four: the the Voyage Home, was when they were able to take the Klingon ship and and in the park there in San Francisco and cloak it. You know, it was still there. You know, and it made the impression in the ground and the you know crushed the garbage can, and then the scientist ran into the side of it, bonk. You know. That was a really cool idea. And, of course, uh, the, the scene where Dr. Z, who we'll talk about in a moment, um, showed everybody how the technology worked. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that was kind of cool and how he explained it, you know, kind of like wavelengths and things like that and well, color spectrums. And well the, well, the next one that we should talk about is their really cool technology they had that I wanted so bad. I wanted one of their wristwatches. Oh yeah, the what is it? They called them the uh, I don't remember the wrist computrons. There or you go. Like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. And yeah, what, that what was, was their so cool. purpose? They would because they would come down onto Earth, and then you know someone would say something, and they wouldn't understand it, 
Uh, like they, they say horse, someone say, oh, you should try this horse. And they wouldn't know what a horse was. So like uh, either Troy or Dylan or, or whoever would have this little, this little wrist computron or a little computer and they would enter it into, in, into their, um, their wrist uh, computer and they would get an answer back, you know, like a, an encyclopedia type answer right. and then they would understand it. Well, you know what's really interesting about that? Back in 1980, we didn't have anything like that. We weren't carrying around Palm Pilots and and uh, personal electronics that would tell us stuff like that. We didn't have cell phones that you could open up and look up on Google something because that's what we do now. But they had them then and so it was a little bit visionary, I think, in, in what they did there. And it reminded me a little bit of, remember Electro Woman and Dyna Girl? Do you remember Sid and Marty Croft's uh, uh, Saturday morning show? Um, maybe a bit, a little bit, well, but they, go on, Rick. They, well, they had these big wristwatches as well. And then, of course, Dick Tracy had the same situation. Oh, yes, where Dick they had Tracy the, had that yeah, one, too. Yeah, and, and so the funny part was that uh, even though they were using these as little dictionaries and stuff like that, they would have these, and they were herking. When they would do the close-up, these things were gigantic on their arms, you know. But then yes. when they would do the far-off shots or even even some of the close-ups of them walking around, their wrist, it wasn't on them. It was littler, you know. But when they would do the close-ups, they were big herking things, you know. Yeah, they're big. It kind of reminded me, too. I think when I saw them back back in the day, I thought it was so cool because – Remember back when we were kids, Rick? They used to have the watches with the calculators on them, oh, or the little like Space Invaders games. It was Timex that had put those out. Yeah. Oh, we loved them, didn't we? Casio yeah. was it Casio and Timex? Timex and a few other watchmakers, oh, and they and I wanted one like, so the, bad. I always wanted one with like the Space Invaders yeah, on it. Me too. And like say those those little wrist computers that yeah. the the Galacticans had, and it did reminded me, yeah. Of, of those watches. And they looked like, now that you say that, they looked like those electronic handheld football games. Remember those ones with the, just the little blips and went, and you'd hold them and yeah. they go, bip, 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 bip. That's exactly what the technology looked like. And it, it, when I was watching the, the episodes again, it was funny because they had little letters and different things on there. I don't know what they all meant and everything, but of course, they, it wasn't real, obviously. But they also yeah. had, if you looked really carefully, they had two Flexo Timex um, bands on them. So there was one in the front and one in the back, and that's how they held them on their arm. <laughs> With, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool that the, the Galacticans, um, they actually figured out how to do those Timex wristbands. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like say it was just I don't know. They were so cool, and like like you said, Rick, it was it was before kind of ahead of the time, you know. Because in Star Trek, they had the communicators. Yeah, the communicators is just basically you know communicating. These ones actually allowed them to communicate with yeah. the Galactica, yeah. and it also allowed them to to uh, talk. Or to get information to you know mm-hmm. you know find information that they needed you know kind of a forerunner to like uh, iPhone or right. a BlackBerry the, or an Android type phone nowadays. What I thought was interesting is that they did not include video on them. Did you notice that it was all done audio or visual readout, but they did not have any. They were not able to see each other on the on the wrist things, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, it might have been just one of those things. They just. Uh, at the time, they just thought, maybe oh, man, we won't ever have too that, much to, right? <laughs> to throw the video on there. Maybe. And now when you buy the iPhone, you can use uh, uh, face-to-face or whatever that thing is called. And like FaceTime, can, I think yeah, it's called. Yeah, FaceTime with your iPod Touch or iPhone, and you can look at the person you're talking to. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Another thing I, I kind of noticed that they had in Galactica from a technology was they always had those kind of their big laser pistols or blasters yeah, yeah. in Galactica. 
Well, Troy and Dylan, a lot of times you saw they're carrying around these little these little palm lasers, which could stun people. And freeze them. Freeze them. Yeah, that was really fascinating. And, yeah. and they, they looked like a stripped-down version of a laser pistol, but they were a lot smaller. They were a lot smaller and kind of like palm-held. Yeah. And the thing which kind of got me as well, too, is that uh, these these little <laughs> palm-held phasers seem to have as much... They could do just about anything. They could... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like they could stun a person. They could like uh, kill a Cylon. They could right. blow up a, you know, a, you know, blow up a, a rocket, a, a rocket right. or something like that. Right. It was just like they seemed just as powerful as as you know the the typical colonial warrior like uh, blaster. But they were. But it was like a little handheld one. So it's just yeah. like, why, why are they running around with those big blasters? <laughs> if, well, if these little ones will, you know will what do it was. Job. What it was. It was thirty years later, and they'd perfected the the uh, technology. That's what it was. Yeah, but they still used the old ones. That's yeah, the they had the old ones as well. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I got a kick out of that. Oh, let's see. What else did uh, I was trying to think of other technology? That flying saucer. Oh, you know, it showed up in a couple oh, episodes. Gosh. That that uh, flying saucer. That Doctor Z. Z's ship. Yeah, that yeah. was way cool. I I don't know about you, but it reminded me of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And even, I think that's why I was supposed to. It had all those, you know, all those lights on it and the yeah. big, uh, you know, flying saucer look. Did you ever notice that the episodes that that one appeared in, they had, um, they had kind of um, a message right at the end saying that uh, you know the government's no longer, yeah, yeah. you know, investigating, you know, unidentified flying, flying object. objects. Yes, I noticed that. I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Why would they put that on there? I don't know. But this flying saucer seemed to be very. Um, like Dr. Z had created it, and then it was uh, a very powerful ship in that uh, like they're able to uh, able to use it to kind of influence or, or scan things on Earth. Well, it reminded me of, you know, when, you, when you're out and about and you see somebody with an RV and they have that nice uh, SUV on the trailer on the back of the RV. Yeah. And so when they get to wherever they're going, they can take the RV out. And uh, or not the RV, but the SUV out and go around and do their different things. And and on the back of the, the SUV, they have like a bicycle. So that's that reminded me that like the Vipers were the bicycles. The Doctor Z's new ship was like the SUV, and the Galactica was like the RV. There you go. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and we should talk about those flying motorcycles. Oh my too. gosh, that was. <laughs> That was the turbo as, cycles. I oh, think they're called. And that was the coolest thing as a young kid. Seeing that for the first time, it's probably one of the stupidest things they had on there. But to me, that was awesome. Yeah, it's just it's like they'd be cruising down. They were they're just cool looking bikes to begin with. You know, kind of done up, kind of kind of reminiscent of a Viper. You know, they're cruising around on the on the freeways, and then they were able to hit a little button, and and they're able to fly the, fly the bikes as well. They always seem to, you know, they're trying to be inconspicuous here, but they always seem to fly these bikes like in the, r- middle, in the middle of, of like the freeway. You know, yeah, freeway. It was always that same shot as well, eh? The yeah. same shot of them taking off and flying away. They was, you, that, every time they flew away, that shot came up of them like flying over the. The Los Angeles freeways. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always got a kick out of the fact that first off, where did they carry those things in the Viper? They showed them getting them out, but they didn't show where they were coming from. The Viper. they just showed them, you know, taking them away from the Viper. And then um, it was really interesting. They had um, like switches that you would find in, uh, oh, I don't know, that in a in a car or something, just little toggle switches that went, and that's how they made them fly. 
And the first time they introduced the motorcycles, it was really interesting. They were driving on the on the road, and the, one of the guys made the comment and said, "Now, um, why, why? You know, um, he starts flying with. They said, why are you using the backup system? These are supposed to be on the ground, you know. And uh, and then they ended up using them so much to fly with that. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I was driving down the freeway and saw a motorcycle flying over the top of me, I would be like, going, what the heck? But the, interesting how they first introduced them with the motorcycle gang." And how yeah. they were like, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is, man. You know, and they hassled him and everything. over. <laughs> yeah. We gotta check that out. Right. <laughs> and they're like, uh, well, or yeah, and like, I, I think you have us mistaken. My name's not Turkey, you know. And, yeah. and then they push the button and they fly away. And of course, they had to show all the stuntmen doing their, you know, peel out on the bikes and running into each other and going over the, the, the uh, center line of the of the highway and you know crashing and stuff. It made for some humorous moments, but I have to say, the first time I saw those motorcycles, they reminded me a lot of 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 that um, like racing motorcycles that were just really cool because they they didn't sit up on them, they they hunched down on them, so they were like a a, a pro motorcycle yeah. racer kind of kind of thing and they yeah, use more of a, a racing style motorcycle yeah. for that they use in uh, moto gp or yeah and they used like them they used them in quite a few of the episodes yeah it was always the same shots too you know wings yeah. would come down when they take off yeah and it's always the same stock shots that yeah. they, they seem to use yeah when they're riding the bikes i, I guess uh the, the the fellow who played dylan actually he he one of his hobbies was uh dirt biking and, and oh goodness things like that so uh like I say he was able to draw you know from his hobbies to to ride the bikes so that wasn't a much of a learning curve for him oh that's pretty cool i didn't know that that's cool very cool so okay what else did they have as far as was there any other ships or equipment that they had that we had not seen in the other in the other battlestar galactica um the vipers were pretty much the same the vipers they, they were yeah, I noticed they had a lot of um, two seater vipers. Which, well, that was uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, because they two, got two seater vipers with the um, you know, like we'll get into into it with the ability to time travel, I guess. Oh, that's right, that's right, and that yeah. was a little bit different than what we, I don't remember the two seaters from the original series, but I do, I do think now that they did have them. Yeah, they had them in this one because you know a lot of times you know like Jamie Hamilton would you know, be when they took her back yeah. to the ship, or there was an episode where uh, Troy and Dylan were given uh, a ship, and then they they both went in the ship because it was a two seater. Right. Um, yeah. If they had the two seaters, it would have it would have shown up like uh, right near the the end of of the original Galactica run, right? Maybe the last couple of episodes, but yeah, for the most part, they're they're single seater vipers. Yeah. So these ones were kind of interesting that they had. Um, you know, double seated vipers kind of makes sense, I guess. You know, sure. like says, you know, when uh, you know it allows you to have another person in the cockpit. Uh, you know, if you're you're exploring or battling, then one guy, you know, can you know is free to fly, and the other is able to you know do the weapons, work on stuff. other things. Yeah. Now, now that we did see a we did see a shuttlecraft in one of the episodes that was the same shuttlecraft they used in the original series. So that was back. I think it was transporting the kids down to Earth. Yes. And um, I can't I can't remember any other things that they had that was different, but mostly it was the motorcycles, the wristbands, and the lasers that they had that was new. That, yes, that we had never seen before. But uh, they were pretty cool as kids. We were I was like digging it. Now that I look at it, you know, some of it was pretty cheesy, but it was cool when I was a kid. I have to say. Yeah, it was cool. Like say, I guess it was thirty years uh, from the original series, so I guess like say any as as anything, you know. Is advanced, and you know they they came up with you know you know different technology that they didn't have back sure. in uh, 
back in the original series days. Sure. Okay, so we've talked about uh, the initial uh, reactions and controversy. We talked about the new ships, vehicles, and stuff. Now let's get into this whole new cast of characters. Because like you mentioned in the synopsis, the only two guys that came back, ex- excluding the last episode, but, but the only two guys that we knew of from the original series was Commander Adama, and this time he was sporting a, a beard, and, a fake beard. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Boomer took Colonel Ty's place, and they brushed a little bit of gray on his on his uh, his fro there, and he yeah. and he was older then, uh, and he came back. But other than that, we didn't see anybody from the original series. Now, some of them were relatives, or at least one of them was relatives. Actually, two of them were relatives of the original cast. But we had a whole new set of characters, and you already touched a little bit on Troy who was Boxy, that was Apollo and Serena's child from the original uh, series. And then Dylan wasn't, um, he wasn't a relative of anybody, except that in real life, he was Dick Van Dyke's son. Yeah, he was Dick Van Dyke's son and uh, the nephew of uh, Jerry Van Dyke. Which is kind of cool. a comedic actor. Yeah. (laughs) And I I did not know that until we started doing research on this. I did, did not have any idea. So that was kind of cool to find out. And then, of course, we know um, um, Troy um, also played in One Adam 12. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. He actually played that character quite a few shows. I was actually uh, doing a bit of uh, research on uh, on Troy um, or Kent McCord or all all the all the actors, actually. I was just kind of going through some of the notable oh, cool. roles well, t- they played. And like you said, he was on Adam 12. But that role also was on Dragnet and Emergency as well, too. So, oh, that's right. I forgot about Emergency. Yeah, so uh, he, like say, he was uh, he was quite a well-known actor when he got cast in uh, cast in this role. Let's see, he was, uh, I, I guess, the, the, the name actor to take over. I guess they needed, uh, needed someone to take popular. over since, uh, you know, they were replacing uh, Apollo and uh, Starbuck with, with new characters. And uh, sure. I'd say Kent McCord was, you know, a, I guess quite an established uh, actor at the time. I was actually kind of surprised, you know, because I always thinking too that, um, you know, that, you know, these guys are taking over from, you know, from Apollo and Starbuck that for some reason they'd be younger men. But um, actually Kent McCord is actually, he was, he was an older fellow. I think he was in his late 30s, um, maybe when? even early 40s. Well, no, I think he was in his late 30s when, when he did uh, Galactica, so he's a bit of an older fellow. I, sure. I always kind of had this thought that he was like kind of in his twenties, but he was actually in his later thirties. Well, he looked he looked young. Yeah, he so. looked young. Actually, when I was doing the research, he was actually I think he's a couple years younger than than uh, Herb Jefferson, who played Boomer. So. Wow, well, that's interesting. That's very yeah. interesting. Okay, all right. So, uh, so we talked a little bit about Troy, and uh, was there anything else about Dylan? Uh, that 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 we had. He was Jerry uh, Dick Van Dyke's son. Dick Van Dyke's son, and he was um, in a lot of other shows. He was in Murder, yeah, he was Murder, in Diagnosis Murder. Murder. Oh, that's right. Diagnosis yeah. Murder was uh, a show by Dick Van Dyke. That's right. That's right. And uh, and Barry Van Dyke played in that show. He was like kind of the investigator or something like that. And he was in quite a lot of episodes yeah. of that. He also was in Airwolf as well. Oh, that's he right. Had, I guess, that's right. Star in Airwolf, kind of bouncing back here to uh, Troy or Kent. Kent McCord, he was also in, uh, he's also appeared in Farscape, um, a series which is near and dear to your heart, Rick, and yeah. Sequest. 
He played, uh, he was yeah. in four or five episodes. Yeah, I thought he was the guy that went to Mars. He was uh, Bridger's friend that yeah. was, the, was the astronaut. Yes. Yeah, very and cool. And then he was also in uh, the movie Predator 2. So What's there's that? some genre work there. Kind of cool. For right. him. Well, now the character, um, they, they met up with uh, a character that was, I thought at the time, kind of fun to be. She was a good actress, I thought. And that was the lady they met up with named Jamie Hamilton. Yeah, Jamie Hamilton. Uh, she was a, a reporter on Earth. Uh, so she was kind of the liaison for the Galacticans and and Earth. So she kind of helped Troy and Dylan, you know, with, uh, you know, kind of the day-to-day or, you know, helping them adapt to Earth. Her The reason she was going to be around as well, too, she, in some of the episodes, she traveled with them on the missions as well because of her knowledge on Earth. And the history. Um, yeah. She was played by a lady named Robin Douglas. Um, I did a little bit of researching on her, but um, not really a lot of, of um, genre work worth mentioning. Um, she was more of a model, I guess. Um, no, I thought she did a pretty good job. I mean, you, given the scenario of the, pl- the plot lines and things that they had to work with, I thought she did a pretty decent job. I actually liked her. I mean, I always wanted to see, well, what was the Earth lady, you know, what, what kind of trouble was she going to get into now? And she was always kind of mischief. The the way that she played the character was uh, was innocent but mischievous in some ways, and always wanted to get the angle. She was looking for that that break in the news reporting, you know, kind of thing. But then when it when push came to shove, she became very caring, took care of the kids, you know, that kind of thing. And and uh, you you grew to like her over this series. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you grew to kind of like her. Seemed like maybe, unfortunately for her character, she kind of once the kids kind of came on the scene, she kind of got saddled with having to kind of chaperone them around. Yeah, because originally what they had planned for the the series was was you know a little something different, which we'll we'll touch on in a little bit. Sure, but uh, yeah, like I say, unfortunately for her, maybe in some of the episodes she was more of just a chaperone, but. Uh, like say, looking back on the series, I thought that um, you know when I watched it again that she would be a character which I might find a little bit annoying, but it really wasn't the case. You know, she was actually had quite a good character, and and she played that role you know well for for what the series was. Sure. Well, of course, uh, we can't forget the main um, the the main staple of Galactic in nineteen eighty, even though he was only on parts of it, was Commander Adama, Lauren Green. Yeah, Lauren ben Green. Cart- he ben was, Cartwright. Um, Come on, Pa. Yeah, he was the top guy. What can you say, Lauren Green? You know, you know Ben Cartwright. Uh, Gosh, he was. On, he'd been on Bonanza. He um, he'd played on all sorts of different things. And and oh, yeah, he was a great actor. And he, I don't know. I thought I felt he was a little bit wooden in in this particular series, but I don't know why. Yeah, I just, I have to agree. It wasn't his best work. Um, but he you seemed to. Like say he didn't seem to like his role, like the way he acted didn't seem to really come out naturally. Yeah, it seemed like you say, Rick, it seemed kind of wooden and forced. Well, and, I think you you showed me some information. Now you have a little bit of inf- information on him that uh, they were going to do the series without him. Yeah, I was reading that uh, they were actually going to do the series without him, and then he had called up Glenn Larson and said, "Why are you doing this show? Why am I not involved in it?" And yeah, he wanted. Glenn to be Larson involved. was thinking, "Well, I." didn't think he would be interested in right. it. Right. And so uh, he said he'd like to be in, involved in it. I think probably looking back, he probably would have felt differently. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, that speaks a lot, though. That's really cool that he cared about the, the, the franchise, at least. 
And yeah, uh, it was nice that he he cared about it. That he, you know, they're bringing the show back. And he wanted to be involved. It added, uh, I, you know, the the show needed as much credibility as it needed, yeah. and having him involved uh, certainly added that credibility. Absolutely. And even though they, I thought that the way they did his beard and everything, he looked like he was from a Rankin Bass Christmas special. You know, like eat, Papa, eat, like Santa, because they did his his beard was pretty cheesy, but. Uh, it was pretty cool, and and you know I noticed in the speaking of technology and Lauren Green, it was so funny to see Ben Cartwright, you know, sitting at this thing talking onto the screen and it would write his words onto the screen, you know, that you like, uh, you know, that was such a cool technology. We were thinking, man, that's never going to happen, and now people do it all the time on their PCs, you know. And then I got a kick out of it. He was talking to Troy or Dylan, I think Troy. On uh, looked like a wireless phone. <laughs> it was, and it looked like one I had, you know, yeah. at one point. So I was getting a kick out of that. But it was, it was really, it was fun to see him again in the role of Adama. But really weird to see him in a situation with this prodigy child special guy named who we can talk about now, Doctor Z. Doctor Z. I think. I think Doctor Z. I think he kind of um, wrecked the series for a lot of people, but yeah. for me, I actually really liked him. I think he kind of he kind of made the series for me. I, I really liked I really liked that character. Um, the Doctor Z character, I guess for me, I've always kind of been a fan of these kind of um, prodigy kids. Yeah, like you know, I've always liked you know the Wesley Crushers or the Lucases from Sequest or right. the Will Robinsons from Lost in Space or even non. Sci-fi things like Doogie Howser. I've always yeah. kind of liked the idea of you know like these brilliant kids. Maybe it was because when I was was a kid, I always you know I always kind of wished I was more of a a smarter kid. And like say watching these characters, you know, it's just like something I always kind of wished I was. You know, a lot of people really hated them. You know, like you know, I think all those characters have probably been um, you know had you know you know been made fun of. You know, because a lot of people you know like we know all about like. Wesley Crusher and how much he was disliked in right. the next generation and basically ch- chased him out of the series. But yeah. um, like I say, I look at this Dr. Z and it's just like, I like that. And it also kind of just the whole way they presented him was really added to the science fiction element of the, of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So now the, the actor that played Dr. Z, many people will remember if you ever watched the Brady Bunch in the first three episodes of Galactica 1980, it was it was played by an actor named Robbie Rist. And he was the guy that played Cousin Oliver in the Brady Bunch. Remember him? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, him. I remember Cousin Oliver. He's a little yeah. bit of a brat on the, yeah. on the show. He had those stuff. big, big John Denver glasses. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and he had the glasses for part of the part of Galactica 1980 until a couple of scenes where they took them off him, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I like say I have to say that um, the other actor who played him was uh, a fellow named Patrick Stewart. Yeah, no, 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 not, not, no, not, not Patrick. Not Stewart. make it so. Not make it so, Patrick Stewart. But no. uh, another Patrick Stewart. I guess maybe you know, uh, you know, the first Patrick Stewart. I don't know. I, no, Patrick Stewart done other genre work before then. But yeah. this Patrick Stewart, he st- spelled his last name with uh, S T U A R T. Correct. And. Uh, he went on to actually change his name to James Patrick Stewart, probably to kind of, you know, Get away separate that. himself from the. Well, and, the, and a lot of people will know him from the video games they play. Yeah, he does a lot of video game work. 
Yeah, which was kind of cool. And he's been on a bunch of shows too. I didn't I didn't look up what shows. I mean, I I read about it, but I can't remember what shows he's been on, but he you would recognize him nowadays. I mean, he's not a kid anymore, obviously. But I guess when I look at the Dr. Z characters, I preferred the one played the first one in the the first three episodes played by Robbie Rist. He just had more of a sci-fi element to it yes. whereas this um patrick stewart one i felt he played the role as well but i just didn't like it as much she kind of came across as more of a tagger beat type kind of yes. look to him you know he had this yes. stylish haircut yeah. kind of reminds me of you know like justin bieber kind of maybe. right right you know? exactly <laughs> you know if they had galactica 80 today you know i could see justin bieber playing that dr z role today but yeah, absolutely uh, absolutely yeah. But uh, Robbie Rist was in a lot of other things. He was in Brady Bunch. He was in Bionic Woman. He was in Knight Rider, um, Iron Eagle, and some other things. So Yeah, he did a lot of voice acting as well. He did a lot of uh, video he, game work as well. Both he, these, these actors did lots of uh, video game work, which is, uh, which is interesting for sure. Like say that uh, they kind of moved away from, uh, from uh, television acting more into into voice acting and they both had interesting kind of voices actually when you listen to it on the show which kind of made me add to, to the science fiction element of it so yeah, yeah like say i like dr z you know yeah, a lot of people dr. are z thinking was... Jeff, you're crazy he wrecked the show but uh you know i i i liked his white suit i liked i liked his his little room with all the monitors in yeah. it yeah well yeah let's talk about that for a minute because the set uh, I mean, they—they, they, I guess they went back, and well, this is kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, but I guess we can talk a little bit about it. Um, but the, the sets, they didn't have all the sets left from Battlestar Galactica, and I thought that the Doctor Z ship set was really advanced for the time. Yeah, a lot of all cool neon, yeah, neon lights and stuff. Reminded me a lot of the Cylon ships in the new Battlestar Galactica. But that was—that's my opinion. Well, yeah, like say, I thought it was pretty cool, you know, like all the lights. Yeah, and you're kind of right. It had that kind of, um, like say, in the new Battlestar Galactica, their, their ships were a lot of, they used you know, they didn't have all the control and, panels and all that. Right. It was more, uh, you know, I guess it was more, I'm not sure what the word I'm going to use, but, uh, you know. It was this like surreal atmosphere. I don't know. Yeah, the surreal ap- atmosphere. And I guess the way you controlled the ship wasn't through dials or, you know, yeah. levers or things like that. It was more more subtle i guess how sure. how it was controlled maybe okay and on, on the show also um was their arch enemy that was one of their own that kind of rebelled against the the uh galactica uh because he felt it was a there was something that um there was a different way to go in other in other words he wanted to go to the past to change earth so that they would be already at that point to to receive them and that was dr xavier dr xavier yeah, yeah. Not like the guy from uh, from uh, the the X Men, but X Men, uh, yeah. And he was played played by who was he played by? A fellow named Richard Lynch. Ah, who, yeah. oh, uh, oh, he was in Star Trek. Yes, he was on that Gambit, that two part Gambit episode. Yeah, yeah. He was the I captain, sort of wasn't he? Him. What was that guy? So his character's name was Baran. Oh, that's right. The he the Baran. That's right. I remember him. He was evil. He always plays evil guys because I, I think I've seen him on some other things. He's just got that evil look on it. He is actually in the original Battlestar Galactica as well. I think he was on the um, – I think he played one of the uh, fugitives or, or one of the criminals on the gun on Ice Planet Zero. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He did. That's really interesting. I didn't yeah, know and that. And he was actually as well too. I guess um, 
a few years back when uh, Richard Hatch was um, working on kind of his Battlestar Galactica rival and he came up with a little short. Um, uh, this Richard Lynch guy played the, the role of Count Ibley on, on that little oh, short. Interesting. So. That's very, very cool. And that's basically the, the characters that they had. I mean, there was, there was, uh, Boomer was on there. We talked a little bit about him already. And, well, why don't we now, um, we'll take a, a real quick break and we'll come back and why don't we really quickly run through some of the episodes that were played so that if you've never watched Galactic in 1980 or thought it was too cheesy to watch or whatever, maybe you'll get a little taste for, for uh, some of the cool plot lines and the fun things that happened on the series. And uh, we'll do that and then we'll have some listener comments and uh, do a little behind-the-scenes stuff and let you know where you can get the DVDs. So we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, guess what? I have a brand-new website that you are going to love. If you're a geek, if you love Star Trek or science fiction or fantasy, you're going to want to come join me over at the brand-new www.startrekparodies.com. You can spend hours listening to your favorite popular music with geeky sci-fi lyrics and some fun and exciting surprises. So join me, Rick Moyer, over at StarTrekParodies.com. You won't regret it. So there you go. People can go over and listen to some of the music. Kind of fun, huh, Jeff? Yeah, it's a great site that you set up there, Rick. Well, uh, like thanks to you. You helped me. Wow, it's... I only pointed you in the direction you you did most of the uh, the heavy lifting there. I had to put the content in, but you helped me get the the basic parts of it put up, and now I'm just like a I'm a WordPress machine, man. You're a WordPress machine. <laughs> That's and right. I, I have to thank you, Rick, because I got to learn a lot about um, PHP and things like that, which Good. I didn't have learned. Well, so customizing your sites and all that. So. There, there you go. See, we, yeah. we learn from each other. So we're talking about Battlestar Galactica 1980, and now it's time to talk about some of the shows. We've talked about uh, the characters, the vehicles, the controversies, all sorts of different stuff like that. Now, let's talk about the actual episodes. So do you have an episode guide in front of you, Jeff? I've got an episode guide, or I can have an episode guide in front of me, Rick. Okay, I'm pulling out my DVD because there's just so many... Um, well, there was only 10 episodes altogether. 10 episodes. And really only nine, if you really want to get technical about it, because there was one episode that really wasn't a, wasn't really a Galactica 1980 episode, even though it was. And we'll, Yeah, it was we'll more of a, a, you know, go, you know, Ballastar Galactica, you know, extension. Right. So let's talk about the, the first episode, which is basically a three-parter, um, and it was called Galactica Discovers Earth. And this was really the we kind of covered it on the synopsis because it was the the very first uh, time that they discover Earth. But tell us a little bit more about the episode, Jeff. Well, like I say, we as we covered in the in the synopsis, Galactica arrives at Earth uh, and then realizes that um, they really can't uh, they can't go to Earth because uh, Earth isn't uh, caught up technology technologically right. to. The Galacticans yet, so they have to send, uh, you know, they have to send uh, colonial warriors down to kind of contact people in the scientific community. And why don't we listen to a real quick clip of it's? I think it's Doctor Z talking to Adama. Uh, is this the one where they can't they can't actually land? Yeah, on he's Earth? talking to the Council of Twelve, and they and they play the kind of Doctor Z goes through the scenario of what would happen if they landed on Earth. So why don't we play that, and we'll come back and explain the rest of the episode. 
planet Earth is the third outermost planet of nine planets orbiting a single sun. Its proximity to the sun provides the only climate in the galaxy comfortably able to support life as we know it. Seven-tenths of the Earth's surface is covered with water. However, there is plenty of room for all our people. The land masses are divided into seven principal continents, 20% of which are unpopulated deserts, two contain polar ice fields. Now, all of these areas could easily be reclaimed by our technology, but there is disquieting news. Dr. Z. Thank you, Commander. This is one of the seven continents on the planet Earth. It is known as North America. This is a population center in the western sector of that continent, known as Los Angeles. What's that odd-looking brown haze hanging over the city? Must be some sort of defense shield. It is now early in what Earth time is recorded as the late 20th century. You are seeing long-range scans of a city of seven million people going blithely about their business. These are vehicles called automobiles. Their primary means of transportation, utilizing a primitive power mode known as the internal combustion engine, which burns a fuel called gasoline derived from petrochemicals, the decomposed matter of things that lived millions of Earth's years ago. Those automobiles sure don't move very fast. No, but it's a nice, neat formation. It must require a lot of practice and discipline. If you'll all watch closely, what you are about to see will alarm you. However, remain calm, for it is intended to inform you. just seen has not happened yet it was merely a computer simulation of what could happen if we were to go ahead with our proposed landing on earth it is dr z's contention that earth is not yet capable of defending herself against her enemies if we land we will bring destruction upon earth as surely as if we had inflicted it ourselves commander dama 
Dr. Z, if we cannot go back because of a new Cylon force behind us, and we cannot go forward, what do we do? Simply give up? We need time to bring Earth to a level of technology that can help us. And where do we get this time if we've brought the Cylons to Earth's door? We veer the fleet away from Earth before the Cylons realize she was our goal. And how does that bring Earth into our own century of development? I propose that in any case, we could only bring her along slowly, unobtrusively, after we have decided who we can trust on Earth to help us, rather than annihilate us. Annihilate us? The visual signals from Earth show quite clearly that she is a warring planet, whose warring factions could be as dangerous as those of the enemy behind us. Then how do you propose that we enlist Earth's help? We will send down teams who will work without revealing themselves to Earth's general population. I suggest we approach Earth's scientific community as a beginning. Key men who are in a position to accept us and our knowledge, independent of politics, who truly desire peace and will use our technology wisely. There you go. That's a little clip from uh, the first episode, Galactica Discovers Earth. Yeah, that was like a kind of a cool clip. That kind of sets up the maybe the whole series, I guess, in, in a sense. Like we're saying, you know, like... You know, Galactica just can't, you know, barge down to Earth and and introduce themselves. They have to, they have to do it in in a different way because a they don't want to leave the Cylons there, and b you know Earth's really not ready for them yet. So they they send uh, in our case they send Troy and Dylan to the Los Angeles area where they hook up with um, Jamie Kennedy or Jamie Hamilton. I'm sorry, Jamie Hamilton, the reporter, which then leads them to uh, a scientist. Uh, his name is uh, is um, oh, Professor Mortensen. That's right. Who is played by the guy who played Mike Brady? I know. It's so funny to see him. It's like, look, it's Mr. Brady. He's a scientist. Yeah, Mr. Brady's a scientist. So, anyways, they go there, and in this episode, they leave him kind of a little message, I guess, because he's not at his office at the time. So they leave him a little message on his uh, computer terminal of. Uh, of a um, you know of a physics equation, which he comes back and understands that uh, that's nothing that anyone from Earth could do, and then he he gets in touch with uh, with uh, Dylan and Troy, uh, and they kind of say, well, we need we need some help, and uh, we're we're coming to you, right? And then Dylan and Troy get uh, unfortunately they get called back to the Galactica, unfortunately because of of something which happens in the terms that um, Doctor Xavier has spoken to Adama and he's determined that uh, he doesn't feel that the course of them trying to advance Earth's technology slowly through working with uh, people in the scientific community today will have any effect. He wants to go back in time and introduce the technology back then and hopes that uh, by the time it reaches 1980 that uh, Earth Earth will be ready to uh, colonize due to him you know, introducing this advanced technology back right, then. Right, And so lots of madness ensues from that point on, and they go th- back through time, and, and, uh, and they, they're with the Nazis and everything, and we watch them foil a plan, and a lot of different stuff happens. But uh, it's pretty cool. It was a pretty cool first scenario of, you know, of, of finding Earth and, and trying to, uh, you know, figure out how they were going to get themselves down on Earth and, and start living. It was very cool. 
Exactly. We actually actually captured a very cool clip of of them time traveling actually to to Earth, like say time traveling back to 1940s. So that's right. Key that up for us. Excellent. And and listen for the similarities to Tron and video games of the 1970s and 80s in this clip. And this is this is them going back in time. Time travel was discovered to be made possible by the theory that once you exceeded the speed of light, you uh, go back in time. Is that anything like Einstein's theory? What did he say? Essentially, he said that if you could move fast enough, you could go on a trip and get back home before you left, or thousands of years after you left. That's exactly right. Now, all we have to do is accelerate back against the Earth's rotation until we've undone every rotation that's occurred since the 4th of June, 1944. You ready, Dylan? Ready. stress loads. Are we all right? What happened? We've moved through the fourth dimension into another time. Then this is really... Yes. Our scanners followed Xavier's trail as clearly as if he'd simply walked across a meadow. Oh no, our clothes turned white, Jeff. Yeah, our clothes turned white. Those those great white clothes that we saw in the original yeah. Battlestar Galactica when they would uh, would meet up with the, um, the Ship of Lights. The Ship of Lights, that's right. Actually, apparently, I was reading a little bit behind the scenes. Is I think those actual those costumes were were the ones that uh, Starbuck, Apollo, and Sheba actually wore. Excellent. In the original ones, and then they they just tailored them to these uh, to the the new actors. Well, they cost so much to make. I would imagine they should use them again, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, you got these white colonial uh, warrior uniforms. You got to use them. Yeah, very, very but, much so. Yeah, that was cool. Like, say that whole sequence of them traveling back in time. It was. It's very cool. If anyone gets a chance to to check it out on the uh, on the DVD, it's like say you got these really cool kind of. Uh, they're kind of going through all these like kind of blue circles with these really uh-huh. cool sound effects. Reminds me a little bit as well too of um, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Yeah, remember when they, uh, they you know they kind of had that failed. Um, Failed attempt oh, the, to go into warp. That's the wormhole thing that happened with yeah the with wormhole Decker. got yeah. caught in a wormhole. Yeah, kind of. This kind of reminded me of that. Very, just a very cool sequence. I could see where they probably spent a lot of their budget sure, <laughs> on sure. that sequence. So um, you've got another clip here. I don't know if we, do you want to play. Do you want to play the one where they destroy the rocket? Sure. Okay. This, this, so they go back to uh, to um, 
Nazi, Nazi Germany. Germany. Yeah. And um, Dr. Xavier, he's helping the, the Nazis because the Nazis has got advanced uh, knowledge on rockets. So he's deemed them as being a as being um, capable of taking his um, his knowledge and helping advance Earth. The problem is, is the Nazis are bad dudes, and uh, if they get power, you know, Earth will will, you know, the the future of Earth will turn out to be something you know much worse. Yes. So they want to get back there and stop Doctor Xavier, you know, to kind of save you know present Earth. And so this is what ensues. All alike. What are you going to do with them? Two minutes, 30 seconds to launching. He's here. Xavier, the council orders you to return to the Galactica with me. And beyond the council. If you attempt to stop what I've started here, I will expose you. You'll have to find me first. Maggie, it's too late to stop me. Did you say something, Doctor? Oh, no, sir. I was just going over some calculations. You look nervous. I thought success was a foregone conclusion. Let's get on with it. Can't wait. Jamie, stop that. We're starting the show. One minute I'm not doing anything. My energizer must be running down. Now try a bargain for our life. Xavier, come with me or face the consequences. What consequences? It is you who face certain death if you don't follow me. My plan is the only reasonable way to save our people. What matter if it costs the lives of a few people on Earth? A few people? You alter history or kill millions? Six, five, four, three, two, one. Fire rocket. This man is a spy. Take him out and have him shot this instant. Have him shot. Oh no. Have him shot. Well, I guess what you didn't see in that clip though is that um, basically the two guards were uh, Troy and Jamie were dressed as Nazis. So basically they took <laughs> and no one realized, away. No one realized that they, Jamie was a girl, you know. Yeah. Jamie, yeah, Jamie Hamilton, the uh, the reporter. So they took Xavier away, <laughs> and they finished their mission. They they helped save um, some some people which were headed towards concentration camps. Right. They helped help save a group as well, and they which, returned back to which present day I, Earth. I, I have to point out that they were so adamant on not changing the timeline that they just completely changed the timeline. 
Yeah, I guess it's hard, you know, what what can you do, you know, you don't want to see some people getting, uh, you know, taken away, you know. But what if some of those people, things back then. but what if some of those people died and, anyway, they completely changed the timeline, but we'll not get into that. <laughs> well, Jeff, there's, uh, there's three episodes in a row here. There's the Super Scouts, the Super Scouts Part 2, and Spaceball that, um, you know, kind of introduced the kids into the whole scenario. Yeah, and those episodes, like say, it, it kind of uh, changed kind of the course of Galactica because the first episodes were, you know, more kind of a science fiction or time travel, and then they, these ones kind of went to family friendly, where Troy and Dylan are taking care of these these kind of super scout kids or the, these Galactican children, and, yeah. and basically these episodes just kind of focused around these kids and coming to Earth and some of the adventures. Around that, and I think this is where some of the controversy came in because it, it did push it into a little bit more juvenile, you know, areas. Even though there was some cool stuff going on, it it was pretty unbelievable. And with their you know superpowers, they could jump high and you know do all these different things. It really painted a different picture than what we'd yeah, seen in the, in the first three episodes. So we won't yeah, go. It painted in. a different picture, and I think that just was kind of the downfall of the series. I think, and uh, yeah, you know, these weren't. These were not really the the better episodes, unfortunately. Well, the people can, if they get the DVD or or if they go on Netflix, they can watch them. But we're not going to say a whole lot more about them due to time restraints. But uh, anyway, that's our take on Super Scouts Part 1 and 2 and Spaceball. Uh, And then, of course, we go into a a couple of uh, two-parter that uh, had uh, some really interesting parallels with the newer Battlestar Galactica that was just aired. Oh, exactly. We go into uh, the nights that Cylons landed, uh, part one and part two, and we're introduced to uh, a new type of Cylon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since it's thirty years, thirty years advanced, that uh, the Cylons are able to take on human form now. Yes. Do we want to um, set up this clip for us? This is called Cylons on Earth. Uh, This is um, this is a clip where the Cylons crash land on Earth, and basically. Their ship is going to blow up, but the the human looking type Cylon, he's he's kind of talking about their mission and and what they're going to do while they're on Earth. Okay, so here it is. Do you realize what this means, Centauri? We have no way back, and we are alone. Two against a world of millions. I will protect you. That is my first order. According to their transmissions, we have a great advantage. These people do not know about us. They do not know about the Galactic War. After our ship self-destructs, there will be no trace of our presence. And I will be able to move freely among Earth people without fear of detection. We will destroy all humans. Yes, Centauri, but I blend with the populace. I am created in man's image. I am as agile as they are. I appear human. So I may go wherever necessary to study their transmission centers so that we may use our distress beacon to signal our people. I will protect you. I know you mean well, Centauri, but your form does not blend. My first order is to protect. What is it, Centauri? I perceive life forms approaching. We must go. Anyone 
comes near the ship will be destroyed. It's not one of ours. Troy, it's Cylon. Scan the area for electronic tracks. Where are you going? Are you crazy? Basically, this episode takes place on Halloween night in 1980. And uh, they they crash, the Cylons crash, and of course Troy and Dylan are there right after the crash because they've been tracking this uh, this uh, Cylon that uh, falling ship, yeah, the falling, falling ship, ship. That, with new armament armament and all this jazz on it. So they go out to investigate, and the and the you just heard the ship do a self destruct. But two Cylons escape: the human looking Cylon and and Big Psy. Or 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 whatever they call them. What do they call them? Centurion. Centurion. That's right. Centauri. 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 That's right. And and uh, they hitchhike and they get a. <laughs> I know it sounds really stupid, but they hitchhike and they they get in the back of this car with these actors that are just hilarious. I thought they were funny. And oh well, of course the one is uh, what William Daniels, which yes. is. Uh, he did the voice of Kit, and he was yeah. on Magnum PI. So, uh, and they got him dressed up as a well as, as like Bozo the Clown, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's the radio station manager of this big radio station, who happens to employ Wolfman Jack. Hey everybody, I'm Wolfman Jack, and he's going to be at a party. So, uh, so they basically end up going to this Halloween party that the radio station is having, and they bring the silence to the party. And yeah, the Cylons are interested in going to the party because they want to transmit their location to the Cylon fleet and they need access to a radio tower. That's right. And when they find out that that uh, Wolfman Jack and these people work at the radio station, they're very interested in getting to this radio station. 150,000 watts of power. Yes, Wolfman Jack. Ow! And they do. <laughs> they, they get to meet Wolfman Jack. And uh, what's I think one of the most hilarious scenes is when you, you would think that a Cylon warrior would be a little more impervious to things because if they if Galactica only knew this they would have been using this microwave technology as soon as one of the, the host puts some like dip bean dip in the microwave and turns it on uh, Centuri walks into the kitchen and starts to have like this seizure falls on the ground and starts sparking and everything. <laughs> and and then we find out that the human Cylon guy has this power to shoot laser beams out of his hand. And he Yeah, he blows up that microwave oven. And it and, starts and a big fire. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he forces uh Wolfman Jack to uh take him to the radio station because they want to transmit their message to uh to the Cylon Empire where they are. And you know what Troy was... and Dylan are following them. Yeah. And they're going through their own kind of uh adventure there. <laughs> yeah. They're dressed up in uh, like uh, white kind of tuxedos with with long tails, and they're kind of traveling through New York City, encountering um, you know, different Various problems. Things, they, yes, yeah, they go through Central Park and get nearly get mugged, and then they <laughs> they wind up at a um, 
had some kind of uh, dancing number, some kind of children's show, and they, they yeah. land up on stage. and <laughs> It's just a mess all the way around. But you know, it's so funny talking about it because uh, the episode sounds really stupid. But actually, I kind of like this one only because they had an old school Cylon on it. Oh, well, yeah, like I say, the old school Cylon on it was cool. And they have the new school Cylon. You yeah. Know? Everyone talks about, yeah. you know, this new reimaged Battlestar Galactica having the human looking type Cylons. Yeah. But they weren't I'm the thinking first. they took that uh, that idea. I think that idea might have come from Galactica 80. I agree. But anyway, they finally got onto the roof of the of the building and we're going to transmit their their beacon to their to the Cylons. And what happened, Jeff? Well, they're going to transmit the beacon, and unfortunately, Troy and Dylan show up and kind of spoil the party. Ah, foiled again. But it was it was pretty funny. I thought it was hilarious just to see Wolfman Jack. I didn't know that he was an actor, but, you know, he was on Love Boat and Fantasy Island and different things like that, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Uh, to be honest, I think I'm more familiar with Wolfman Jack, the actor, than I think I was of him on... As the um, DJ? DJ, I'm not sure if he... If they, because I remember I was quite a, as a young kid. I'm, I can't remember if he was on the hilarious House of Frankenstein. That's maybe. right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he was always into all these different things. I can't do his voice as good as I used to. Oh, <laughs> Wolfman oh. Jack. Yeah, don't touch your FM dial. Oh, I'm bad. I'm really bad at it. Sorry, but I remember him. I thought he was cool, and so that was yeah. kind of probably helped the ratings of the of that particular episode. <laughs> Yeah, do we have them. any clips? Maybe do we have any more just, clips? We don't have any more clips from that, do we? Oh, we, we have do. one right at the end when there. Uh, I think there's a showdown between. Oh, um, do we want to do that? Let's do that. Sure. Okay, let's, let's do that. that. It's let's called do that. Uh, showdown at the end. Okay, hold on. The signal from Earth has been turned to beam straight up for the Star Falcon. I suggest you begin jamming all outbound signals from Earth by sending out enormous high-powered interference on these transmission bands. The Sauron base ship will surely come to investigate such interference. Perhaps with a small patrol. But if that distress signal is beamed out to space, she will respond with every ship in the Cylon fleet. I'll have our warship stand by to launch an intercept against the Cylons. I will also pray that it is unnecessary. I mean, come on now, guys. I've been a real good sport about this whole thing. Now, I've done exactly as you asked me to do, against my better judgment. Yes, you have served your purpose. Centauri? Oh, now, hey, hey, now, wait wait a minute now, big fella. No reason to get uptight. I mean, I believe in live and let live. I mean, if you and your friend want to look at the stars, you know, and you want to communicate with your brothers or whatever it is, who's to say what's normal? You, you know what I mean? I mean... Centauri! Stop them, Centauri. Get out of the way! You don't have to say it twice. Centauri. Keep them from deflecting the antenna. I will protect you. No, Centauri. Save the antenna so that we may communicate with our fleet. Oh, you all right? I will be as soon as I get out of here. I will protect you. No, Centauri. I'm going. Bye. Centauri. 
Centauri, what are you doing? I will protect you. No, Centauri. No, not this way. No! Talk about close. And once again, Troy and Dylan save the Galactica and the Earth. That scene was kind of funny too, because you know, like Wolfman Jack's up there, and you yeah. know, they're they're done with them, so the the Centurion's <laughs> going to, you know, it's just going to to kill them, and then Troy and Dylan show up. You know, they have that little again. They're shooting them with little palm kind of, uh, yeah, you know, lasers there, and they're able to take down both the uh, the advanced uh, Andy, I guess, or yeah, and whatever his name, I can't remember his name, and Andomolus or something like that. Yeah. And then the, they shoot him, and they shoot the big Centaurian. And with he falls these off hand the pl- phasers. he falls off the side of the building. Yeah, Whoa. right into the trash can. <laughs> yeah, and then they, you see you see you see the garbage truck drop him into the compactor. Yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh my gosh, poor Cylon. No, not really, but you know what I mean. I thought someone would have would have wanted to follow up and kind of collect that. Uh, I know those Cylons from the the dump, but it's like nothing ever happened. I guess we yeah. saved the day. Woohoo! <laughs> well, then we get into another episode, um, which kind of was a standout episode of all of them. Um, um, kind of something that I would have thought was be more traditional in in the Battlestar Galactica universe, and that was space croppers. We yeah, we, we go on to a little farm that is in danger. Of course, aren't all farms? Whenever you go, watch a show on TV, in danger of of uh, going under because of. The water system not being able to get the water to them because some money grubber guy is, you know, uh, uh, land baron is 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 you know dammed up all the hoarding water, all the, yeah. hoarding all the water. He's in this one. He set up some dam which has prevented yeah. <laughs> uh, prevented the water to flow into this other fellow's um, fellow's um, farm. And the Galactica yeah. they're interested in this farm because of what happens at the beginning of the episode yes, in that yes. their agricultural ships are attacked and destroyed and now they need a few food source. So they're looking to uh to uh start planting their crops right on on this this fellow's farm because he's looking for a partner. So that's where they kind of get hooked up on it. But well, this space croppers, like I say the first act is pretty the, cool. The battle just harkens back to like the original Battlestar. It Galactica really did, and we even series. get to we even get to be on a Cylon um, base star. Yeah, I get to hear the hear from the Imperius leader. I think I yeah. grabbed a clip of oh, them, of them talking about uh, attacking uh, the Galactica. Excellent. Let's listen to it right now. I'm growing impatient waiting for the Galactican fleet to lead us to the last outpost of humanity. Launch a full-scale attack on their agricultural ships. We must destroy their food supply, thereby forcing them to lead us to Earth. By your command. Transmission. Source identified as Galactican Fleet. 
Attack squadron program for agricultural ship destruction. Red alert, red alert. I always loved the sound when the centurion would walk into the chamber of the imperious leader, like glass scraping against glass. It yeah, cool. it was so cool. I love that scene. This is, I have to say, this is, you know, I'm not a big fan of the episode. I thought the, the farming stuff was a little ho-hum, but yeah. this first act, this is like, you kind of got to fly along with the Cylons while they're attacking the, the Galactica fleet. And this is like, for for my my money, this was one of the best scenes in the yeah. whole series. Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. It was really, really good. And then, of course, uh, you know, the, as the plot goes on this particular episode, uh, basically they send a bunch of people down to the planet from the Galactica as agricultural experts. And uh, the kids show up in this episode again to uh, sow the crops, the seeds. Yes. And and then the space that cool spaceship comes into Doctor Z's ship comes and seeds the clouds and then makes it rain with nutrients that cause the uh, uh, the crops to grow overnight and uh, <laughs> somehow and then they're harvesting yeah. them the next day and and of course the farm is and so we get from this episode that Galactica now has an ally on Earth that they can grow crops and food and stuff at so yeah there you go that was space croppers. And this was, I guess, what to to note. This was kind of maybe the last kind of um, traditional kind of Galactica eighty with with yeah. its cast. Yeah, uh, because uh, the very last episode was nothing like the entire series. In fact, uh, you have a little bit of information on this. Um, the The last episode was called "The Return of Starbuck." Yeah, it was called "The Return of Starbuck," and in this one. Uh, they had Dirk Benedict back, and this goes through kind of the story explaining what happened to um, to to Starbuck. Like, say he's not on the show. Like, what happened to Starbuck? This episode kind of answers it. Some kind of the behind the scenes kind of information about this, which is kind of interesting, is is that they kind of filmed this episode and the previous one, Space Croppers, kind of at the same time because you had kind of two different casts, um, or they were kind of nearing the end of the the filming the other one and the the lead actors uh kent mccord and uh barry van dyke um they weren't really informed that this return of starbuck episode was happening and that they wouldn't be involved in it and i guess apparently they were kind of their egos were kind of bruised and they felt that maybe um they were being blamed for the kind of failings of galactica 80 so they were actually kind of holding out and saying they weren't going to they weren't going to show up to the following episode and they weren't going to report to the following episode and uh, work on that. It was costing them between one million and one point five million dollars an episode, and uh, and then of course as we read, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes where a lot of producers were coming, a lot of money was being paid out, and they weren't getting the product that they really wanted out of it. And then and then it just got to be a joke, and they just thought, well, let's get let's go on to some other projects. We don't like this one anymore, so let's see if we can sink it. Is kind of what happened. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened was that they're just going to sink the series. And it seemed like, like you say, they're putting money into it. And I, I guess, inst- I think maybe the, the thinking around the studio or something was that this this project is doomed. Right. So, you know, to save other projects, maybe they're just sending producers or people there or money, right. money that, you know, they'd be wasting on other, you know, 
money that was spent maybe elsewhere, they're just going to lump it into this Galactica 80 right. series since it right. was doomed. Right. Maybe to protect some other projects, maybe. Right. Well, anyway, the return of Starbuck was was quite actually. I think out of all of them, it was it was a fantastic episode. It really was good. Oh yeah, it was an awesome episode. Like say again, you know, for uh, you know kids our age back then, you know, the chance to see Starbuck again. That's right. Well, that and the fact that it answered what happened to him, and um, I think the DVDs are worth the buy just for that episode. Honestly. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of it it answers what happens to Starbuck, but it also answers it talks about Dr. Z. Yeah, it does. And where he came from. And it ties the whole series into the old series. Yeah, it ties the whole series into the old series. And also too, it, it kind of brings up some interesting questions for me about you know, about Dr. Z and where he yeah. came from, you yeah. know, because it, you know, the, the series kind of indicates or the episode kind of indicates that um, he's he's kind of um, like a prophetic. The lady, the, the lady on the show that who is his mother. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of indicated that, she, you know, she can kind of see into the future. Right. And it kind of indicates that maybe he's, you know, Doc, that she is part of the the beings of light that we right. saw in the original that's, that's Battlestar what, Galactica. Yeah, that's what I kind of got to think. Well, the scenario of the, of the whole show starts off and, and Starbuck and Boomer are out on patrol and they they uh, they get in a in a uh, was it Boomer? Yeah, it was Boomer, wasn't it? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, Starbuck so. and Boomer. Were yeah, they're flying. out on patrol and and they get into this this firefight with the Cylons, and uh, Starbuck's ship gets uh, gets. Um, damaged, and so does one of the Cylon ships. And then they uh, end up crash landing on, on this planet together. Starbuck doesn't know that the Cylons have crashed on this planet, and he gets out of his Viper, and, I mean, there's a big explosion, and funny how he has, you know, with him all sorts of different things, and he's got some supplies and stuff, but he goes out looking, and he finds the Cylon ship, and he finds all the Cylons dead, um, and they're in the wreckage, and he builds a little shelter and everything, and and he gets bored, so he builds, he takes the parts from all the Cylons, puts together a Cylon for company, and brings it to life like Frankenstein. Yeah, it brings it to like like Frankenstein. It's kind yeah. of got that kind of what enemy mind type yeah, ex- kind of um, yep feel to it. I think except, we've seen those. Except you have this really cool. Starbuck was such a cool. Um, character and the way that Dirk Benedict um, portrayed him, you were fascinated because he narr- he like narrates it. It's like one of those shows where, you know, so I was alone and I blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, and so you're watching this happen as he's narrating it. And it, uh, it came out to be a really cool show. And so he, he, uh, he gets to be friends with, uh, he nicknames the Cylon Psy. And of course, the Cylon doesn't want to be friends because it's programmed to kill humans and everything. Well, they work past a bunch of their differences and, and eventually, um, the Cylon gets its feelings hurt because uh, Starbuck teaches it how to play Pyramid, but it's just not a really good mate for Starbuck. He wants a girl. He wants a woman. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore because the Cylon's asking him all these questions. And so the Cylon says, well, I'll go find you a woman. And and we're all going, well, where is he going to find a woman on this planet? And seriously, we don't have any idea how he found one, but he did. And she happens to be this really kind of – she looks like an, kind of an elfish – being of light, you know, she's draped in all these like hanging clothes. clothes, yeah, light clothes and everything. And she's really pretty and she's super fair, so she's super white, you know. And and so you get the the idea that she's uh, she's I mean, you if you know the old series or the original series, you know, she's got to be like a being of light or something like that. And anyway, she, we find out that she's pregnant 
and and you think, oh no, what's going to happen? You know. So anyway, she she fall, I think falls in love with Starbuck, and Starbuck falls in love with her, and the baby gets delivered, and you know a bunch of different stuff happens, and and uh, so she says, you got to build a ship uh, so that we can get off this planet and meet up with my was it with my people or something? I can't remember. Yeah, what. her people. Yeah, right. And and so anyway, uh, we go through this whole thing of how the Cylon, um, you know, they become friends and they work together. And they have a generator in the facility and on and on and on. Well, anyway, the tension comes when the Cylons answer the distress call of the Cylon Raider and they come to collect their warriors. And then then the battle ensues and then we get to see all this cool stuff. So anyway, really, I don't want to spoil this one for everybody because it's such a great episode. Every Galactica fan needs to watch it. Yeah, it's a great episode. Like I say, it's like I say, if you were a fan of the original series and you've never seen Battlestar Galactica 1980, if you're going to watch one episode, watch this last one, Return of Starbuck, because yeah. like I say, it's more of a just original Battlestar Galactica episode than it is a Galactica 80. It doesn't really have anything to, really to, to do besides Dr. Z and explaining where he came from. But right. for the rest of it, it, it it's more focused around uh, Starbuck and what happened to him. And basically, the lady is pregnant with Dr. Z. And, yeah, it's uh, an interesting thing because I was reading some stuff as well, Rick, that yeah. they're actually going to have a follow-up episode where Starbuck was basically going to become a member of of the the people of light. Oh, really? So, yeah, he was going to become a, a member of the people of light. And it was just, you know, it kind of, again, kind of parallels with, you know, Battlestar Galactica, the, the re-image series in that, you know, some people felt, you know, like when Kara Thrace on the re-image series, you know, she went and she died and she came back as an angel that maybe she was, um, though those? they never said it in the series, that yeah. maybe she was a being of light. Yes. And... Kind of again, you know, it looked like the, you know, the path for Starbuck in this episode and future episodes would have been a being a light as well too, and then part of me was thinking too, you know, you look at Doctor Z and all that he can do. He's got that ability to Force, kind of predict, foresee the future. Yeah, yeah, predict the future. He almost, you know, almost seems kind of like a template maybe for the kind of the hybrid in the original or in the re-image series of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You know where they. Yeah. They kind of have the ability again to kind of see the future. Kind of again, like Kara, she seemed when she came back, she kind of had the ability to kind of see some things in the future as well. So. Agreed. Yeah, very interesting how how it all kind of fits together, isn't it? Yeah, you've got some clips there, Rick. I do. I have. A, how about um, when he brings the woman to Starbuck? Sure, that's a good one because he's in the shelter and the and the Cylon opens the door, and this is what happens when when that happens. Starbuck. I have brought you a surprise. Sai, what, what in the... Oh, man. Dreams with a lone enemy I couldn't control. There had been visions of food, the fleet, my boyhood home on Caprica, and most haunting of all, the face of a girl I'd never met. She's alive. I presumed you'd prefer her that way. Sai, this uh, isn't funny. This is a living, breathing human being. Yes, I feel I have already compromised everything I believe in. What's helping one more human going to matter, more or less? Uh, Sai, this is uh, more than a woman. I'm sorry if you are displeased. There wasn't much of a selection. 
Asai, this woman is with child. Child? A small human. She's going to bear another human life. I am rapidly being surrounded. Sai, so we need water. Go to the spot near the cliff for my laser. Open the underground stream. By your command, although technically you have no real authority to order me around. Sai, go. I'm going. I'm going. And there you go. A little clip from... Uh... The Return of Starbuck, which closes out the the whole series. Yeah, closed out the series. Um, I guess uh, some people would say, thankfully, it closed it out, and <laughs> other people a little sad. I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like I like I say, it was good to have more Galactica. Maybe you know, obviously, a lot of the the things were answered by the fact that they had to do educational stuff and that it was on during a family time. They could only kill so many Cylons. You know, there was limitations on what they could do with the with the story, and that makes total more sense now why it turned out a little more cheesy than it would have if they could have put their whole heart into it. Yeah, I think as well, too, some of the other behind-the-scenes types things. Like, I recall it sounded like ABC kind of approached Glenn Larson and Universal in the fall of 1979 about the series, and then it uh, premiered in uh, January uh, 1980, so that wasn't a lot of time to get the series kind of up and going. Yeah, they didn't and have I kind a of think lot of time. Maybe that's part of what led to maybe the less quality. I'm thinking as well, too, you know, with a lot of the sets being destroyed, it's probably why they had a lot of... Um, a lot of locations shooting and maybe sure. why they decided to be on Earth. Another kind of interesting note I just kind of wanted to toss in there, I wanted to toss in earlier, was the Dr. Xavier character was originally going to actually be the Baltar character. He was actually going to be the leader of the Council of Twelve, oh. and then he would be the guy who was going to go off with his own agenda. But um, I guess... You know, again, you know, Baltar wasn't the fellow who played Baltar who probably wasn't available or maybe wasn't Gal- interested John in the project. John or something like that. I think it was his name. I don't remember. He played Kling- he played Klingons on uh, Deep Space Nine as well. Yeah, and in, and and in, in the, the original, original series. series. <laughs> yes, yeah. we're such nerds and geeks. Yeah. <laughs> so what now? Also, wasn't there some uh, footage used uh, when they did that whole scenario where they were uh, blowing things up? Did we already say that that was used from the Earthquake movie? I don't think we did. The, the footage from uh, the the first episode and, you know, kind of the, what they used for the promos of the Cylons attacking Los Angeles uh-huh. was actually footage used from a, a movie in 1974 called Earthquake, which actually starred Lauren Green as well. So they kind of took in the, the scenes where, you know, the earthquake was happening and the buildings were being destroyed and kind of threw in some uh, Cylon raiders, uh, you know, Shooting kind of lasers. wreaking havoc. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of cool that they were able to reuse the footage, and we all thought that's so cool looking, man. That's so cool. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to say about the series, uh, Jeff? We've got a couple of listener comments. We have one from Rico and one from our friend uh, Feathers. Yeah, we'll go for the listener comments. Okay, let's uh, start out with uh, our our friend Feathers from uh, the UK, and here's his take on Galactica 1980. Hi, Rick and Jeff. Mike from London. Or in fact, at this point in time, Mike from the Cathedral City of Wells in Somerset, seeing as I've been away for the last two days with uh, work. Sitting in my hotel room this morning trying to work out what I can say politely about Galactica 1980. I have very fond memories of the original Battlestar Galactica series. Having said that, I don't know that I could watch it today 
and maintain those fond memories. It may be one of those that's that's better left in history, but I'm afraid those memories don't extend to Galactica 1980. I'm sure I watched it when it came out. I have some memories of a group of children down on Earth and the, the sort of Troy and Dylan characters, their flying motorbikes and, and all sorts of things. If it came out in 1980, then I guess we would have got it over here in 1981 or so, which would have put me at 12 or 13. And even then, I think I, I realised what this series was. As I say, Battlestar Galactica, looking back at it now, probably appears slightly cheesy, but at the time, I loved it. It was one of the, the series that, that lodged in my mind. I was forever wanting a Galactica blaster and Colonial Warriors uniform. But by the time 1980 came along, it was too much even for me, I'm afraid. I remember Commander Dharma in a beard, um, a few other changes in staffing on the Galactica within the fleet. But the thing that really offended me was they brought in this genius child. Don't ask me why I didn't like that. Um, it might be something to do with the fact that I wear glasses and therefore, for instance, Joe Ninety was one of my least favourite um, puppet characters ever, so some of that might have extended across to this guy. Um, he really put me off, as did, I'm afraid, the uh, the location on Earth. Now, you know, as a 40-something-old, you know, I, I recognise now that budgetary reasons and so on probably dictated the way the series went. It would have been a whole lot easier to film in the States. You've got the sets pre-built because... United States was already there, they didn't have to construct it for the TV show, but that diluted an awful lot of what Battlestar Galactica had been, at least for me. Um, certainly the beginning of the original PSG series was fine, sort of leaving the colonies and fleeing the Cylons. The, the bits that really got me excited for that show were when they started to run into other human civilizations elsewhere in the galaxy with, you know, different ships and, and, and different forms of engine propulsion and all that sort of stuff but all of that was lost bringing well not those characters because they did away with a lot of them but but bringing that setting into modern day earth you know i could see modern day earth every day out the window going to school whatever i was doing i was looking for something different out of this show and sadly i'm afraid it didn't deliver so one day i'm going to go back and see the original bsg one day I'm you know, going to watch a couple of seasons again. Whether I will follow that up with Galactica 1980? I don't know that I could bring myself to do it, really. Having said all that, there's there's one, whether it's an iconic scene or not, I don't know, but there's one scene that <coughs> still lives in my memory from that, which is one of your, I say your, Rick, big illuminated American signs on, on top of a building either shorting out or something with a with a Cylon underneath it being... Uh, I, I can't remember any more than the Cylon under the sun. I assume the Cylon died, you know, they had a fight and all the rest of it, but I, I couldn't tell you whether that really happened or not. That's, that's where my memory is. But there is something about alien robots in Monday Earth that is still slightly scary. And um, to that degree, they must have succeeded in something they were trying to do. And of course, they brought Starbuck back at least at one episode, I believe, and that was that was worth watching. So I'll, I'll probably go back and see that. But as I say, not a great vote of confidence from me. It was there. I watched it. Probably never will do so again. Interesting choice to, to look at this one. I'll be uh, quite interested to see what take others have on it. Until next time, 
Cheers. Thank you, Mike, for your comments. What'd you think, Jeff? Yeah, thanks, Mike. That was, you know, we were talking beforehand. What is what is Mike going to say about this? Because we got your uh, comments this morning before we started uh, doing the show, and we saved them to listen to. Well, just get our initial reaction, and I got quite a kick out of them. Yeah, that was the the night the Cylons landed. Uh, that was that with the Wolfman Jack thing that was on top of the on top of the building with the radio station. That whole thing that was very fun. Yeah. I have to agree. I have to agree with uh, Mike's comments, and um, like I said, I had the, some of the same viewpoints that uh, them going back to modern day Earth kind of threw me out of the Galactica kind of world. That like say you know they're just kind of you know it's just everyday normal Earth. Like like say just your normal day. Like say you could look out the window and see the you know, same that's what thing. You see. Yeah, yeah. So uh, like say I, I agree with Mike. You know that 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 was a bit of a letdown in. Yeah, you know, the series focused so much on being kind of, you know, you know, earth earth type adventures. So yeah. I, I totally yeah. agree with, with Mike on that. And like say, I had the same feelings yeah. as well. All right. We got another um, comment from uh, the Rico Meister himself. Well, hey there, Rick and Jedi Jeff. I uh, just uh, want to say first, thanks for doing this special guest podcast for the show. Uh I'm, uh, of course, traveling back home this weekend, so you guys are stepping in doing Galactica 1980. Uh, it's just, uh, that show uh, over the years, of course, has become the brunt of a lot of jokes about, you know, Galactica 1980, the, you know, what did they do to our Galactica? <laughs> but if you look back at the original uh, one season of Galactica that was done in the late 70s, you know, I don't think Galactica 1980 is all that much more dated or schlocky, you know, kind of than that original series. I, I kind of still have a fun, you know, soft spot for both of the both of them. Although, of course, the original first one season was, I think, a little bit better and a little more serious, of course, probably more than a little bit. The uh, things I remember about Galactica 1980, I remember, uh, of course, being very disappointed when Galactica went off the air and when they announced... Uh, I guess about a year or two later it was that this new series was going to come on, but it was going to have mostly a new cast. I was both kind of happy and sad at the same time. But uh, and, and I'm sure you guys are going to talk about this a lot, but the one episode especially that stands out in my mind that I thought was fantastic uh, is The Return of Starbuck, which tells the tale of what happened to Starbuck a little bit uh, on Galactic in 1980 with Dirk Benedict. They brought him back, and it, it's... Um, it's a great little story. It's mostly just Dirk Benedict and this Cylon stranded on this planet, and they do a great job with it. It's very much like that, uh, I don't remember the name of the movie, but with Lou Gossett Jr. and that uh, alien who played the alien and Dennis Quaid on that planet, and they have to kind of work together a little bit and kind of get along. It's kind of in a way like that. I, I It's just uh, Dirk does a great job in that episode. It was so refreshing to see him come back uh, as, as Starbuck. Uh, and and that uh, for Galactica 1980 for that one episode it was just uh, very well done and uh, that even just that episode alone was makes the series worthwhile to me so anyway don't want to say too much but thanks again you guys for doing this po- special podcast but <laughs> I can't even talk when I send in a comment thanks for doing the special podcast on Galactica 1980 and uh, I hope uh, you're having fun with it and I'm sure you are talk to you guys again soon bye. Thanks, Rico, for that uh, great comment. And uh, yeah, like I said, you had the same thoughts on uh, the Return of Starbuck that I did. That it kind of matched the uh, Enemy Mine movie. Yeah. Uh, like say again with the uh, you know kind of the friendship between 
between enemies. We've seen that on, uh, you know, on, we've seen that a few times on in the Star Trek uh, universe too. You know, there was that Next Generation episode where Geordi and the Romulan, right. I believe, had to had to work, work together. together and there was yeah. also the the Enterprise episode where Trip and, and that alien also had to work together. And that's right. I guess also, well, maybe even. Maybe not bitter en- enemies, but there was also the the one with Picard where he had to work with the um, Darmok. Darmok, yeah, know, and they had to learn each other's language and and Darmok like and that. Ch- so a- Tanagra. Tanagra. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Very cool. Yeah, Rico. Thank you. The great comments and uh, I know there's just there's just a love of of B grade science fiction in my heart. I just love it. It's fun. I know it's it's fun, and there are prior ones just cursing my name. There goes. There's that Jedi Jeff with his uh, great science fiction because I did that time tunnel, time tunnel, uh, time tunnel and, podcast last year, which yeah. is probably great as well. So. Well, and you did Earth too, and some people thought that was B sci-fi too. Yeah, some people thought that was B sci sci-fi. So I'm gonna have to start thinking of my next uh, B great uh, podcast. What can we, what can we cover next? Huh? And I like the yeah, first. I was thinking, actually, I was thinking, Rick, and maybe uh, you know, if if they want us back, maybe they won't want us back after how long this podcast. Well, runs, I know but, we're gonna uh, have to go back and edit. But by the time we yeah. get done, we're gonna have this herking long thing. But I was thinking, maybe sometime we'll we'll come back and do a you know a, a review of a classic Battlestar Galactica episode. That's maybe, a great idea. I think that's a great idea. I would love to do that, Jeff. Yeah. It's been great. Um, I really recommend Battlestar Galactica 1980 to uh, folks to pick up, if not just for the last episode. It's worth a spin. I don't think the DVDs cost very much. It wasn't very expensive. And I know you can uh, also get mo- you can get everything except for the first three episodes on Netflix if you're in the United States. I don't know about any other areas. But, Though um, I think the first three episodes are the ones you really want to watch because those, yeah. in my opinion, were the the best ones. But you could look it up on. I'm, I know you can get them on eBay, on Amazon, um, different places. You can order the Galactica 1980. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> you can get the disc, and like I say, the packaging is awesome. I mean, if you're a fan of Vipers and and uh, and uh, cool artwork, they they did a great job on the cover, and it comes in a little. Um, comes in a little case and it's just really cool i, I recommend actually it your box looks a little different than mine's rick because oh, really? mine comes in two little uh dvd oh. covers it doesn't come in or D- dvd cases it doesn't come in one but oh. i guess we need to keep this podcast a little a little trimmer so i guess i won't go into too much about how mine's looks yeah mine's is a little different than that oh, but that's it's got cool. the same artwork inside oh very cool well anyway highly recommended any last comments on galactic in 1980 jeff I don't have any. I'm just, like I say, you know, if you're interested, if you're willing to, you know, uh, combat a little bit of campiness and cheesiness or a whole bunch, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's worth, uh, you know, giving a look, especially if you watched, you know, the other Battlestar Galactica episodes, even the new one, and you're just kind of interested to see kind of, you know, some other, you know, viewpoints of it. Check it out. Absolutely. And, uh, of course, if you want to get a hold of us, um, you can visit our sites. Uh, you know, um, I know that Jeff just got done doing a, a collectible on a, a Cylon mini bust. Yeah, yeah. I've just actually yeah, a little bit of a tie into this one. It uh, wasn't planned, but um, I have a collecting podcast. If you're ever interested in checking that out, you can check it out at www.jedijeff.ca, where I have. Um, I'm trying to do do more regular podcasts, but I'm up to three podcasts now. Um, so you can check that out. And in this recent podcast, I review a couple. Uh, you know, re-imaged BSG Cylon mini busts. So if you're Very interested, cool. uh, you can drop by and check out uh, my podcast there. And we all know Rick 
is Mr. Podcast Man and oh, Mr. Yeah. Parody Man and tell us a bit about where they can find you. Well, you can find Amy and I do a podcast every week um, that is spiritual, not religious, and uh, you'll figure that out real quick, but you can uh, enjoy that over at TakeHimWithYou.com. I've got a brand new website there. You can play the, all the episodes from there, and it's on iTunes and everything, and also uh, StarTrekParodies.com, like I said, in the middle of the uh, episode. You can... Uh, Always get a hold of me there and enjoy it. Uh, but you can always email us and let us know what you thought about the podcast. I'm uh, Rick at takingwithyou.com is my email. What's your email, Jeff? Um, you can email me at jedijeffsbasement at gmail.com. That would go to my podcast uh, email there. Cool. So you can get in touch with me there. And also just you can, if you're a member of the forum, you can also just uh, drop me a PM there. Very cool. All right. Well, everybody, it was fun. It was exciting. It was fun and exciting. I hope you uh, learned a little bit more about Galactic in 1980. And uh, thanks, Rico, for letting us do the podcast. And uh, thanks, Jeff, for co-hosting. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was great uh, co-hosting with you, Rick. And um, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe in the future, Rico will ask us back, I guess. so. I hope so, so too. It'll be fun again. All yeah. right. I just love this music. I'm just going to jam to it with you as it closes. I love this music. Trex in Sci-Fi, copyright 2011. All rights reserved.